Katie Kruger, and this is Show Me Your Playlist, the podcast where I invite friends to talk about what songs they would put on playlists and why. Tonight, I'm sitting down with Justin Moore, co-host of the Horror Business Podcast. We watched David Lynch's Mulholland Drive and created our own soundtrack playlist, so check it out. Hey, Justin. How's it it going? Uh, It's going. How many times have we stopped and re-recorded this at this point? An infinite number of times because life is just repetition and suffering. It is. At this point, um, I'm starting to believe more and more. It's fine. Um, So, Justin, you are the co-host of Horror Business Podcast. Uh, How long have you been podcasting? I'd say approximately three years. Yeah. Uh, Do you have a favorite episode that you've recorded? <coughs> Excuse me. The seltzer gets you every <clears throat> it time. It does, yeah. Um, I have a least favorite episode. If, if, yeah. that, if, if that, it, we did an episode on uh, Lumberto Bava's Demons and Demons Two. I am not familiar. They're Italian horror films. They're they are what they are. Um, <laughs> but the episode, it's just like even when I was like recording it, it's like it, it, I felt like it's clicking. Not clicking. There's nothing there's gelling. No. There's no good. There's no good talking points. Uh, Did you guys just pick the movies? How do you guys pick your movies? Um, we have like a Google, like a, like a, me and my co-host Liam, um, we have a, like a Google Docs on our phone mm-hmm. that will just like throw movies in for ideas and then we'll go in there and like pair them up and mm-hmm. we'll run them by each other. Um, we don't generally do themes, although weirdly for whatever reason in the middle of December we're doing we just did an episode on and I should write the show notes on this tonight but I'm not going to because whatever uh, we did an episode on The Company of Wolves and Bad Moon which are both like werewolf werewolf movies I have a my PA Eastern PA accent's terrible werewolf movies and then next episode we're doing uh, Project Metal Beast and Full Eclipse which are like also werewolf movies so we're just doing two werewolf episodes back to back so we decided that it would be fun to merge movies and music by creating a playlist soundtrack for this episode. Um, so good that I want to keep doing this now, uh, if I can ever get through a recording of this episode. <laughs> um, uh, with a lot of my friends that are movie buffs, and, and uh, it's just, it was just fun to do in general. Um, before going into the Mulholland Drive and our playlist, uh, do you have a favorite soundtrack to a movie? Um, as a lifelong spooky kid, I would say that the obligatory ones are, it's John Carpenter, mm-hmm. not just, I mean, like Halloween is great and yeah. I love how he made an iconic soundtrack. Well, not only that, but he made it deliberately from a musical aspect to be like unsettling. It's in like five, four mm-hmm. timing. It sounds abrasive. Um, but I really like the soundtrack he did for the fog and for the ones he did for Christine um, the main score for The Fog is like, it's very evocative. I've never listened to, I've never listened to a soundtrack and been like, that calls to mind what the movie is. Like when I hear it, it I imagine like a, imagine like a dark exactly. bay at night with like fog rolling in and the lighthouse and pirates and shit. Um, I mean, I also really like the, you know, the, the soundtrack he did with uh, Alan Haworth for Halloween 3. Um... The Fabio Fritzi stuff, uh, Goblin, obviously, for, like, George Romero and mm-hmm. Dario Argento. Um, but you enjoy a good score. I, I do yeah. enjoy a good score, yeah. But I think the best, all my, my favorite movie score is probably Brad Fidel's 
score for Terminator for Terminator 2? Want to get that? Um, so we put together uh, two weeks ago. This is our second time recording, uh, if you haven't already caught that, of a soundtrack playlist or a playlist soundtrack. I like the idea of a playlist soundtrack. Yes. Um, so giving some information, we watched David Lynch's Mulholland Drive. It was It's 2001 Mulholland Drive, directed and written by David Lynch. Starring Naomi Watts, Laura Haring, Herring, and Justin Thoreau. Scored by Angelo Badalamenti, a native New Yorker, um, who is most famous for scoring most of David Lynch's mm-hmm. Blue Velvet um, and most notable Twin Peaks, uh, which Justin told me last week that he is not. Yes, I stand by that. I'll go to the grave. <laughs> That he is not a Twin Peaks no, fan. No, not. So in not killing Justin for not liking Into Another. For having the right opinion. <laughs> uh, debatable. I am going to give the IMDb, descript- IMDb description of Mulholland Drive. Along Mulholland Drive, nothing is what it seems. In the unreal universe of Los Angeles, the city bears its schizophrenic nature, an uneasy blend of innocence and corruption, love and loneliness, beauty and depravity. A woman is left with amnesia following a car accident. An aspiring young actress finds her staying in her aunt's home. The puzzle begins to unfold, propelling us through a mysterious labyrinth of sensual experiences until we arrive at the intersection of dreams and nightmares. David Lynch has said before that his intention to each viewer was to bring their own interpretation of the film. Um, So now that we have the Rotten Tomatoes, or not Rotten Tomatoes, the IMDb description down, um, what was your approach and interpretation of making the soundtrack playlist? Playlist soundtrack. Uh, So... That's a pretty good description of what this movie's about, I guess. <laughs> um, no, I, I took, I broke this, what I wanted to get across in my playlist is I broke the movie down into um, two themes. The first theme was what I've heard David Lynch talk about before when he, when he talks about this movie and how it's sort of like a love letter to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And where like he once said that like Mulholland Drive, when you drive down the road Mulholland Drive, you can get a sense of like the history of the city behind it. So I personally have a like infatuation with Los Angeles. Um, it's d- delicious array of vegan food aside. I think it's an amazing city. <laughs> so there's some songs- outside of eating delicious vegan food in LA. What else do you enjoy doing in LA? Seeing celebrities. Okay. Reenacting the opening scene from the Terminator in an alleyway completely naked. <laughs> uh, so many visuals. Oh, there's a picture. That's on Instagram. If you can, if you want to, if you want to. I mean, I'll send it to you later. Okay. It's, yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's just like I, it's just a, it's just a cool place. It just I, I like. Do you like the scenery? Yeah, I'm like a big I'm a big like skyscraper skyline. like skyline person. So Los Angeles is a very striking skyline, especially when it's against the mountains. Um, but the other part of it that I wanted to establish was the general structure of this is sort of how the movie is structured, in which the first approximately half of the movie is like a dream um there's a lot of cool shit going on uh there's like love and sex and all that and then the second half is a nightmare or Mm -hmm. reality yeah so what i wanted to express was the morning after whether it be the morning after like 
you when you first start seeing someone and there's an initial encounter the morning after when you're like on cloud nine and everything's fucking great. And then there's the morning after when something terrible happens. Um, I like to reference the episode of The Simpsons when Homer and Flanders have a going like a drunken binge in Las Vegas and Homer gets married. And when Marge find he doesn't remember it. And when he moves back, when he comes back home and Marge finds out she kicks him out and he wakes up on the lawn and he's like, ah, the first... 15 seconds where I forget why I'm sleeping on the lawn. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's how I feel. Like, you all those moments when, like, Reality something... Reality doesn't have to set in. Exactly. Yet. Like, when you wake up and you're just like, oh, fuck. Um, so the way this playlist is structured is, like, the first half is that sort of elation and the, the emotional high that you get from being in love or just being in lust, whatever, either one is fine. And... Um, that love letter to Los Angeles like I was describing. And then the second half is about the waking hell that is the morning after when she the actual the fan. reality. Yes, the actual reality of how bad things are and, you know, how great that is. And it's so now that we've talked about this, because it's been a couple rounds of talking about this playlist, um, and our our interpretations of it, the while you were just explaining that, it can be for anything. Like, even, like, getting into a fight with your significant other, the dream part of this is how I think it went and it, or this is how I wish it went. Yeah, yeah. Opposed to how it actually happened. And so you, like, romanticize this this one action or this one person. And then when you wake up and you realize the reality and the 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 truth of it all and yeah i i mean the first the first we'll get to it but the first song in the second half of the you know things you know waking up it's not about specifically about mm. being broken up with it's about waking up and like realizing like when did everything fall go off the rails mm -hmm. when did everything when did the train go off the tracks i don't know when that happened but it has and it sucks you just made the same motion okay so justin's wearing a prince t-shirt right now and so when we're going into these deep discussions i just have prince staring into it's my the soul. cover it's the cover of parade if you're familiar where he's doing the thing where he's like he's he's wearing like a he's half like shirt a vogue -esque. and he's like voguing and he's got the, the pencil thin mustache and the, the slip back he's hair beautiful and he just has it's black and white and it is just staring deep yes. in my soul <laughs> um and it's great it's also probably life-size too like it he is. was like <laughs> it is like yeah it, Probably, you know, just exactly 50 pounds prints yeah. on your t-shirt right now. Um, so we're going into the playlist, and you started off with Hey Pretty Girl, which in the movie there is a cowboy that you really don't know why he's there and what his purpose is. His purpose is to fucking terrify us. Yeah, in that like dark shadows type way. Where you I was going to say, the only way you can describe the cowboy... Is like if someone was like, "What's the cowboy like?" You're like, "Oh, it's like some kind of a David Lynch movie." Yeah, literally the only way you can describe it. Yeah, it's, no, no real purpose other than to make you feel uncomfortable and not understand what is happening. Yeah. Um. So he says, "Hey, pretty girl," and you started out with Roy Orbison. She's a mystery to me, which uh, David Lynch loves. Roy Orbison, yes. as we just discussed in his like Blue Velvet and. Uh, me trying to figure out what his love and admiration yes. for Roy Orbison is. Outside of the fact that, you know, I, the only thing I can think of is that Roy Orbison was a, a man of mystery. Yeah. Um, and he was the epitome of cool. He was the epitome of cool, but he just, you, there was, 
everyone had their own story for Roy Orbison and Roy Orbison never had to tell his own story. He just made the music and like you interpret it how you wanted. Yeah, to give you an idea, this song was written by Bono of U2. And the way this happened was Bono fell asleep listening to, ironically enough, the Blue Velvet soundtrack. And he woke up with this melody in his head and he sort of like Bob rocked it like da-da-da, like a tape recorder. He's like, oh, that's a Roy Orbison song. But I, I can't remember what, what, what Roy Orbison song that is. I say that five times Yeah, fast. I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> she sells seashells by the seashore. So he like took it to Roy Orbison because Bono was friends with Roy Orbison and was like, hey, I can't, what song of yours is this? And Roy Orbison was like, I, that's not a song of mine. And Bono was like, well, you can have it. So he just made this fucking gorgeous song about it. I love that story. That's probably one of my favorite, like, so new known facts. Okay. Yeah. You also had the Naked and Famous Punching in a Dream, which was a great, like, lead up to it. This is definitely, yeah, this was, so the first two songs, and just to give you, like, an idea, like, I tried to make the, they're not exact mirrors to each other. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not Alan Moore. I can't pull off mirror in my <laughs> works of art. But the playlist... These playlists, the first one opens up with a Roy Orbison song and goes into a Naked and Famous song, and then the last two songs, and you know, we'll get there, but the last two songs in the second part are the Naked and the Famous followed by a Roy Orbison song. So Punching in a Dream is a song that, to me, it captures both the way I feel when I see, like, we'll say specifically for the, for the sake of this episode, Los Angeles at night, but really any city skyline. Mm -hmm. Like, I could drive five minutes from now and look at this Philadelphia skyline and I would have a similar feel like it's a very synthy poppy bright dun, 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 very dun, dun, dun. yeah exactly yeah. and it's this really gorgeous lush music but then you actually read the lyrics and they're very uh, macabre specifically there's a line um, like punching in a dream bringing life into my nightmare yeah um and then there's a line about how there's like, it's like fight, flight, or the screams, life tearing at the seams. And that's like what this movie's about. Have you and um, I just sprinkled songs in between yours is, um, this is my Six de Degrees of David Lynch. Okay. And I got really excited when I found this out because I try to find a way to put this band on almost every playlist or just show everyone this band. So... It's this band called Pleasure Seekers. They're from Detroit. Uh, it's the Quattro Sisters, and the Quattro Sisters um, are daughters of Art Quattro, who was this big-time jazz um, musician in Detroit. And the most notable, famous one is Susie Quattro, who is Leather Tuscadero on Happy Days. Um, she, they, they were the original, like, girl rock band like angry and had stuff to, and had opinions to say yes, and they yes. made all their music they wrote all their music and they all played their instruments without someone having to like kind of cookie cut it like they they wanted to be musicians they weren't just formed together because it was like it was a project um and the oldest sister, her name was Arlene Quattro, and uh, she left the band to go play Susie Homemaker and, and have a, a, a life and, a, ba and a, a husband and a kid and kids. And her daughter um, is Sherry Lynn Fenn, a.k.a. Miss Audrey Horn of Twin Peaks. I know who that is. Yep. You know? I, don't, I don't like Twin Peaks, but I... I, I do think Audrey Horn is 
very, very attractive. She is in mega babe. Yes. Ultra mega babe. Um, and I was at reading the bio and like the backstory of pleasure seekers. Cause I was, I was trying to, trying to pick a song of theirs and I chose brain confusion. Pleasure Seekers, Brain Confusion. We started out with Rory Orbison, She's a Mystery to Me, and The Naked and Famous, Punching in a Dream. We also have um, a couple, Bauhaus, She's in Parties, Beast Milk, Strange Attractors, Billy Idol, Eyes Without a Face. I love Billy Idol. I think he has one of those sultry 80s voices. This song, this song is near perfect, ex except for the end when like the fucking guitar comes in. Like, I honestly wish it was all just the weird, like, the Lynn drum machine and the, mm -hmm. the claps and the, the really icy synths and the... Because, like, when he's doing, like, the, you know, eyes without a face, mm -hmm. you got no human race. Like, <laughs> that doesn't sound like... Like, you could you know it's Billy Idol, but it doesn't sound like... A typical Billy exactly. Idol. Exactly. Like... But then when that fucking guitar comes in, it's... It's like... Oh no! This is he had to add his he little add, bit of yeah, cock rock. He, he had to he had to be Billy Idol. Yeah, like instead of like William Idell or whatever, like his fucking new wave name would be. Um, we have Cold Cave, uh, Life Magazine, uh, hardcore and non-hardcore places. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I I love Cold Cave. Um, cool. I love Wes's. I love this band so much. Um, I mean, I more love than American Nightmare. Two apples and oranges. They're both fruit, but they come from two different places. Yeah, but oranges are better than apples, so there you go. See, and I love apples more than oranges. Hey, I, I, <laughs> I, think, I think background music is a perfect record. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think The Sun Isn't Getting Any Brighter is his legit, a fucking legit slammer, is that slammer? the kids are saying? <laughs> Ass beater or whatever. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Cold Cave is a, is a project with a lot more... Cherish the Light Years is just one of those records that just fucking... And this song is even off that record. Mm -hmm. Like, Cold Cave just embody um, so much that is, like, great. Like, this sounds like shit that, like, my babysitter would listen to when I was a little kid. Yeah, oh. Like, that's why I like Cold Cave so much. I think Cold Cave does a great job accomplishing that of being a little bit of everything that you need 
from like dark wave or synth or um, pop or rock or and like kind of just like molds it in a way that is easy for most people to listen to if you like one or more of those genres. Yeah, I mean, there are a few songs. Um, there are a few Cold Cave songs that I'm just like, okay, like this is... I love their newer song, Glory. It's, I haven't heard it yet. Oh, it's so good. I just saw them at... Well, not just saw them, but I saw them at Union Transfer last year around like maybe uh, May, April, May. So we go into Frankie Rose, Street of Dreams. Uh, I So this is my favorite find on your playlist because I've never heard of Frankie Rose. And then I listen to the Street of Dreams and I absolutely fucking love her. It's, she's amazing. She has, I don't know what that voice type is. It, yeah. I don't know if it's like a soprano or a tenor or whatever, but there's something about that like, she just has this like range that is. I just love that she's like this noisy pop drummer. There's that too. I mean, yeah. there's there's also like, I, we talked about it last time. I think she was in the in the Dum Dum the Dum Dum Girls. She is, yeah, yeah, who are also great. Um, but no, th- this song. I mean, even the fact that it's called Street of Dreams, which you could technically say that's Mahalan Drive, is what we're talking about. It's a street where dreams happen on or nightmares. Um, it goes through a very iconic part of L.A. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. But this song, not only does it sound like it has a very dreamy, weird, like, reverby sound to it. Mm-hmm. But then there's that part at the end when the song is over. When the main part of the song is over, there's this weird, distorted, delayed organ that's just this beautifully, fucking achingly tender piece of music that I just think it, it just it's it, it, it the first time I heard the song I was like that's Mulholland Drive like that, that's fucking Mulholland <laughs> Drive your love like, and admiration for Mulholland yeah, Drive yeah that that it just it just it, I was like that's what this song is about that's no doubt what this song is about I like it because she has that kind of like bubblegum pop rock thing yeah and yeah. I feel like it's it's a sound that I can associate with LA yeah very much. Um, then we go into the Midnight Vampires, which yes. okay, I had never heard of the Midnight until Labor Day weekend. I I was very happy to find this band because they are very eighties uh, with a lot of saxophone. Yes, and a, like, a lot. Yes, but it's um it's like a two piece. Right, they're like a two piece, and a guy does a lot of stuff. I have like, no idea. And it, uh, like, the, literally, I I have no idea about the ba- the background of this band. I just know that this fucking this record. It's just it's it seems like it should be out of a eighties um, kind of like like a Blade Runner. Yeah, it has like it, it it does that thing. It has that sound that so many bands are trying to do now, where it's like everyone wants to do the. John Carpenter slash Stranger Things soundtrack. Mm-hmm. That's what they that but at the same time, it's so fucking good. Like the saxophone riff in the chorus of this, there are I just wanna I'm gonna play for in hopes, um, just like a small little bit of it, just so everyone can understand what the, we're talking about. The glory about. of the saxophone yeah. riff.
Okay, so you know how, like, when you listen to, like, Michael Jackson's Beat It, there's the part at the end where it's, like, there's the guitar, like, dan, dan, yeah. dan, and then, like, you hear, like, that, and then, like, fucking Eddie Van Halen comes and just fucking starts shredding all over the place. In my head for this song, they're, like, in the studio, and, like, Tim Capello, a.k.a. the saxophone guy from The Lost Boys, just, like, knocked the door and came in and was, like, bing, bing. <laughs> like, I know that's not him, but it's definitely, it's, there's no way that's mind, not him. Do you picture... All saxophone yes. players. Except uh, for the sax solo in Hungry Eyes, which is the worst fucking piece of music I've ever heard in my entire life. Which hurts my heart so much because I just literally went to go see Heartbo- Heartbones yes. slash Harmar Superstar do the entirety of the, the Dirty The rest Dancing of that song soundtrack. is fine. The rest of that song, the rest of Hungry Eyes is a jam. It's a bop, as the kids say. The bop. But fucking saxophones, I, I, there are maybe four songs that have saxophones, saxophones that I like. You know you better love Eddie Money. Yeah, it's like, it's like Eddie Money, Urgent by Foreigner, I still believe, on the Lost Boy soundtrack, and this. Okay. That's it. Just as long as Eddie Money makes it in yeah, there. Yeah, Eddie Money's fine. I literally, so today was a rough day. I've been recording all day with friends and getting shit down so I can uh, cut audio. And I might have went out drinking last night. Might have. Might have. And I might have had too much tequila. And I did Eddie Money Take Me Home tonight. And it's literally my whole existence of having a podcast is how I can fit Eddie Money on here. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it. But I I left him off of this playlist, but at least we got to talk about him. Um, We go into Best Coast California Nights, which not having, like, you have to have Best Coast on this playlist. Yeah, if there's a song about, if it's about Los Angeles, you got to have Best Coast. That's literally... Agreed. Yeah. Um, Ma- what is this? Mogwai? Mogwai. I, why can't I say Because you've never seen Redlands. <laughs> I have. Okay, so. But it's funny because you earlier, when I, when, I, when, I, when I first got here, you were watching Mowgli, the <laughs> fucking shit Jungle Book movie, and you were like, oh, it's Mogwai. And I was like, no, 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 no. no. Mogwais are the thing that you can't get wet or for the afternoon or exposed to bright lights. This is Mowgli. Listen, okay, so now I'm going to preface is that I turned that movie on so my dog would have something to have on in the background. I'm not judging, I'm just I saying. I was not watching that movie. And second, I have seen gremlins i just have not seen it since i was five years old because i had a horrible experience of puking corn dogs and so i have never watched it so i don't remember any fun facts or like references to said movie i think gremlins are adorable and yes i fuck up mogwai and mowgli mowgli (laughs) um we have Remurdered. I obviously have not listened to this song. Um, I mean, I listened to it when I played the yeah, soundtrack yeah. through. I don't remember it. It just sounds mysterious. Okay, so and that's that's the that's the it just it it's an instrumental. So there's okay. it's, so it's it's more about the feeling of of, of is the it way a complete that, instrumental? Yes, song? There, I think there might be samples in there, but there are no lyrics in there. Are they, do they have any lyrics in their band? I don't like, believe so. Rest, I, I okay. think I think there. I mean, honestly, I'm not so big, maybe I should check them out because I love Russian circles and explosions in the sky. Yeah, that okay. that record is that record's great. Okay, so I'll ch- I'll check them out. Uh, we have M eighty three Midnight City, um, and then uh, this side yeah, note real ahead. quick. M83, you were talking earlier about, like, Passion Pit and, like, live shows yeah, and all yeah. that. Um, have you ever seen M83 live? No, I have not. It's amazing. I saw them once back in 2004, 2005. Okay. In, I think, the TLA. I like 
like the TLA. I don't go there often because they usually have shitty shows. I saw the Revolution there last summer. It was amazing. Really? I saw uh, Chelsea Wolfe. Okay. There, Chelsea Wolf was a real fucking cool show to see yeah. there. My friend Matt, he moved up from Kentucky uh, and was the like in-house manager, I don't know, for uh, Live Nation. Yeah. There, but he just recently moved back to Kentucky this past summer. Uh, but he hooked it up for me to go and see some shows there. Uh, but... I like, there's not a lot of venues here that I love. Yeah. I love Union Transfer. Um, I think it has the best sound out of all the bigger venues. Yeah. Um, this atmosphere that reminds me very much of an old uh, venue back in New York that I grew up going to shows okay. to. It had a huge uh, like chandelier in the middle. It was all very woodsy. They had a balcony as well, although you didn't really stand on that balcony because it probably was a hazard of some sort. <laughs> um, building was definitely not... The, I know for a fact the building wasn't up to code because it was grandfathered in as a historical site. Yeah, that's what you want. You want a chandelier there that's just... Yeah, a historical sh- site that used to be a cat, like a, a, a old time like cat house. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's the site it was. My great grandfather used to. Uh, I was talking to Dave earlier today. My grandfather, my great grandfather, used to get pissed at my mom for going to shows there because he he would call it a whorehouse all the time. Interestingly enough, there's a drive-in up north of me, about mm-hmm. forty minutes north of me, Becky's drive-in. That back in the eighties used to be a porno drive-in, the seventies and eighties, and now it's that like, was a thing. That was a thing. This is way out in the Who middle of nowhere. Who wants a jacket in the middle of? I mean, it was the seventies and eighties. It was a popular, it was a popular cruising spot. Okay. So um, now they show, now they show, it's it, they they upgrade it to like digital, and it's not like I mean that was the first I saw Jurassic Park back in the early nineties there, so they obviously don't show pornography there. Um, but it's funny because now when I go there and I'm like. Like if my grandfather, like when he's like, oh, so I'm going to the drive and he, he's like, oh, you're going to Becky's? Like have fun. Because to him, he's he, still, he's, I mean, he knows he that's not, he knows that's why I'm not going there, but he still likes to fuck with me about that. Go, go have fun in the bush. Well, yeah, that's funny. They have, they, they, tr- they try not, it's because it's the same family that owns it. They try not to acknowledge it, but they have um, a shirt you can buy there that just says, I survived the back row at Becky's. Oh, yeah. that's kind of awesome. Though. It's it's very cool, yeah. Um, so now we're getting into the part of the playlist where it's a great segue of talking about pornos. We're fucking now. <laughs> it's good. we're fucking because we're playing Janelle Monae, Pink, and Prince. We can fuck, and then Deftones, Digital Bath. Three songs that three songs yes. that are pure fucking songs. Uh, I'm fairly certain that. Um, did you ever see the video for Pink? No, no, I have not. Oh, it's so great. Um, Tessa Thompson is in it. Oh, okay. I know who she is. Um, and I, I, it's just this, it's a very sexy video. There's all these like beautiful women dancing around and it's... How can a Janelle Monet video not be sexy? She's great. Yeah. She could and, just stand in the middle of the room yeah. sing and it'd still be a sexy video. And I, I put her specifically before Prince because she's sort of like Prince's like protege. Yes. And you can hear like a lot of... I mean, she does, she definitely has her own sound. There's yeah. nothing that sounds like Janelle Monae. But I like the fact that she, you listen to it and you're like, there's definitely some, like, musical DNA of, like, Prince in there. Mm-hmm. Like, there are certain parts that I'm like, that sounds like something out of, like, Little Red Corvette or something like that. But um, I specifically put We Can Fuck by Prince on here. Because th- <laughs> this song is about, like, 
um, meeting someone for the very first time and having this immediate attraction to them and being like, uh, I don't normally do this, but which if you've seen Mahalo Drive, that's what that's about. There's yeah. the whole, uh, there's the scene, which is one of the most beautiful scenes in any movie where it's about halfway through the movie, right before shit hits the fan, when um, Laura Herring and Naomi Watts, they, there's a, there's a, a, a sex scene between the two of them. And it's not like, like, I think we talked about this in the last time, the first time we recorded. When I was a kid, when I was like, I mean, when I was like 18, when this movie first came out and we could like rent it, this was the movie like my friends would be like, you gotta see Mahoma Drive. Like, there's a lesbian There's like a lesbian sex. sex scene. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't know why I'm from New York City all of a sudden, but, <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, this is like a porno. This is the closest, because this is before like internet was huge. Um, and now I watch it, I'm just like, this is like so beautiful. It makes me want to cry. Well, uh, yeah, because now now we appreciate David Lynch for the artistic instead of the weird and the sex scenes that yeah. he gives us. Um, and it, I think with, so up until this point in this movie, which we we both highly suggest you watching the movie um, and then listening to the playlist, but uh, in this movie they have, Naomi Watts' character is trying to assist uh, Laura Haring, Herring's uh, character, which is called Rita. She's a, she's called Rita. She doesn't know her name. Yeah. Um, they have kind of gone through different different weird parts of the movie of, that are of trying to figure out who she is and yes. how she's connected and how um, there was a car crash on Mulholland Drive and they're trying to piece together stuff and nothing's quite lining up and everything seems kind of off. There's always... Every scene has like something that's awkward or tense and kind of socially off-putting yes but both of them while all those things are happening you're seeing this like very raw person very vulnerable and this other person who's very simple but caring and very uh open-minded and just sees natural good in people yes and and doesn't see a whole lot of negative and Naomi Watts' character being the one that's very simple but yet very kind, and then Rita being the uh, the person who is very vulnerable and very um, kind of there's like that chaos of like not knowing who she is and the emotional roller coaster, and both of them just kind of seek solace in each other. It's of, so like. And then they and then they have a sex scene. It's so insane. It's so like it's. Um, I mean, I'll say something funny before I get to like. You know, the, <laughs> this is how like this scene. The way this scene sets up is how like fifty percent of my sexual encounters have happened. Like, oh, you don't have to sleep on the couch. Oh, are you sure? Okay, there it is. Here, yeah. here's the bed. Let's cuddle. Yeah, it's the Netflix and chill before there was yeah. Netflix and chill. But oh, no emotional. There's connection. something. There's something organic about yeah. this scene. Um. So, and I like that you put Deftones on here because our mutual friend, Emmy, which is how we met, yes. uh, I am going to have her on and uh, she has a really awesome uh, career and she works for a surrogacy agency that I want to kind of like know more about what she does and I thought it would be really fun to uh, make a playlist of like songs to fuck to or make babies to. <laughs> um, and 
Deftones Digital Bath is obviously a part of this like fucking scene. That song has been on my playlist to fuck to before I was even fucking. And I'm a whole albums person when it comes to me. I'm not a whole albums person on most playlists, but if I'm making a playlist to fuck to, it's going to be whole albums because it's there's a start to finish of something and it is going to most definitely have White po- White Pony is the whole Absolutely. Album. From start to finish. Except, no, there's a few songs in that record. That's not a perfect record. As much as I hate, as much it's as it not, pains me to It's not a perfect record, but you know what? While you're fucking, there's sometimes you don't need to actually listen to it. Fair enough, fair enough. So, um, you're not actually paying attention to it. Deftones just has that, I pick out of all Deftones albums, White Pony to play, but I literally could just listen to all of Deftones at all times at, while fucking. Yeah, fair enough. Um, that and typo negative, and I'm pretty sure we've got my fucking playlist. Uh, I'm sorry, mom and dad. Um, <laughs> and then it's so funny because when Emmy like called out to Instagram of like songs to fuck to, you replied Jeff Buckley. Yeah. And I was like, do you want to cry when you fuck? Maybe I do. This uh, is not a song to cry to. This is not a song to cry to, but Jeff Buckley in general makes me want to cry. And it is well, my... Re- like, today, I would have listened to Jeff Buckley all day long. Let me, let me ask rainy. you a question about Jeff Buckley. Mm-hmm. Would that be the case if he were still alive today? Ooh, that's hard. It is, because he... he I mean, he died tragically, and his music is very tragic. It's sounding. Yeah. And I think there there's an essence to him dying so young and so tragically that emphasizes his music to be a little bit more tragic. See, that's how I, f- I, I feel about, um, you know, he just said, you know, there's the print song of yeah. the complete, like we can fuck was, uh, was a, was a, not a B side, but like an outtake from purple rain. And it's like, I've always felt that purple rain was like a, a far sadder record than people gave it credit for. But now obviously we're living in a post Prince world. Unfortunately, it makes it even that much sadder. Oh, yeah. Like, incre- like, I mean, I wasn't joking. I don't know even know if it's still on here, how, like, when I first hear the opening chords to Purple Rain, I will start crying. Like, it's just, oh. it just happens. It sucks, oh. but it just, well, I just get I mean, sad. It's, it's emotional, especially yeah. with when you love a an artist so much uh, and you hear that and you realize that you're never going to hear them play live again yeah. or you're never going to hear them put out a new song. Well, and in um, Prince's case, we definitely will because it's... Yeah, I mean... We're going <laughs> to go into the finishing of Hey Pretty Girl... So we after Jeff Buckley, everybody here wants you. We go to Ratatat, seventeen years, Bonavere, Perth, and then ending the playlist with the Juliana theory. You always say good night, uh, good night. That song is nine and a half minutes long. I know it's so long. It's so good though. But it ends the CD. It does. Or the the yeah. record. Um, I always say CD because I found Juliana theory probably when I was like. 14, 15. Yeah. Um, and they were the first band that I bought tic- that I bought tickets to without asking my parents if they could give me a ride to the venue. And my dad was like, how did you buy these tickets? I went to the record store they, during the age of like tickets were sold at record stores. At record stores. And my dad got so pissed because he was like, I don't want to drive to Albany. We lived in Troy and it was at Valentine's. And I remember him getting so mad. And I remember throwing a mild only child temper tantrum 
to get him to go. And then when he listened to the, he was like, what does this band fucking sound like? And when he listened to it, he was like, what is this sad fucking shit? <laughs> uh, this song I think is perfect for ending the first half of this playlist because it's nine and a half minutes long. The last half of it is utter chaos. It's beautiful, but it's like these insane, like the first half of the song is just like pianos and synths and like those weird bells that you like the drummer does where it sounds like, like tinkling mm-hmm. snow, whatever tinkling that sounds like. Snow. Um, and then like, it just starts fucking rocking and there's cymbals and like, there's like a chorus and it sounds like a Pink Floyd song and there's like chants and then it just like, it gets, it hits this crescendo and it, it I think it kind of, it kind of mimics the way the movie feels. Yeah. Which everything is like s- s- rapidly spiraling out of control. Like, they're sleeping together. They're going to this insane club at all hours of the night. There's a woman singing Roy Orbison in Spanish, which is amazing. No one knows what's real. The fucking cowboy is doing God knows what behind the scenes. And then it kind of trails off back to the piano, back to the piano, back to the piano. And that's where the first half ends. And then right from that, it goes right into a song by The Swarm. It does. Um, so... I am going to fill in a couple little blanks before we move into um, the part two of Time to Wake Up. So, um, talking about, like, the chaos of it. And I feel like I... I don't know what this says about me as a person, is that I could find more songs for the shittier nightmare part of the movie. Yeah, I... I, I There was a couple things I had to trim out. Yeah. Yeah. So, for, like, the shitty nightmare... Like, for the nightmare reality part, I could find all the songs... And then for the first half, I I don't know if I was overthinking it or I just couldn't, like, find the right song that was matching the scenes. And I took the approach of more of trying to find iconic scenes in the movie to pinpoint songs. Um, talking about chaos, Justin Thoreau's character uh, is kind of forced to choose his leading girl and, like, for, forced for this Camilla Rhodes Um and he kind of goes on his spiral, and you don't really know his place in the movie because he's very awkward. I've always felt that his place in the movie was representing the audience. Oh, okay. Specifically, like being forced. To... Being forced, he's witnessing this stuff kind of from the outside. Yeah. But he's kind of on the inside because he sees. Uh, I think the scene that encapsulates that is the scene um, with Angelo. B- Battle of Mente. Battle of Mente, the espresso scene. Was like, yes. This is the finest espresso. It came with the highest recommendation. And then, like, that scene is so fucking weird. And his reaction is, like, he's he literally says, like, what's going on? Yeah. And I think that is, why like, what... Here? That, exactly. Yeah. That's what we're all thinking. Like, why is this guy spinning espresso into a napkin? Yeah. Another guy's blowing his nose and screaming. What does all this mean? Yeah. Why is all of this stuff happening? And I have no... Like, why am I here? Yeah, yeah. Um... I I chose Boris, uh, Woman on the Screen, mostly because it's off the Pink album. He, and he pulls out this, like, hot pink uh, can of paint and just starts pouring it over his uh, wife's jewelry. Justin Thoreau does. Justin Thoreau yeah, does. Yeah. In this, like, weird, chaotic moment. And you're just like, why pink paint? why jewelry why are you doing that like yeah you're just and that's all those questions of like what the fuck is happening it's so crazy and it's starting to like close out because then camilla 
and or Rita and Betty go to uh, a nightclub like a Silencio. Oh, Silencio. Silencio. Um, goes and has uh, this moment that you know that the dream is starting to end. They're holding hands. They're weeping. I'm weeping at this point in the yeah. movie. Uh, everyone's crying. Everything good in the world is about to come crashing down on our heads. And you see it because, like, Naomi Watts' character gets, like, starts having, like, convulsions. They're crying. Um, a blue box appears in her purse. Mm -hmm. When they get back to the house, the uh, Rita sees a, key, a blue key. A blue key. Pat knew that she had a blue key with her when she was when she recovered herself from the crash. She took the blue key. She puts it in the blue box, and now it's time to wake up. And it, not, there's nothing good in the world. No, nothing no, anymore. It sucks. Okay, so now uh, the cowboy has returned. He is standing over Naomi Watts, and he says it, it is time to wake up. Um, we see Naomi Watts kind of downward spiraling, mm -hmm. and uh, you start the playlist off with the swarm blink. I specifically chose this song because it is the Juliana Theory song ends on this, like, again, it's this very, like, it's piano, and there's, like, a nice little synth, and then it goes right into, like, a snare roll and into this fucking, like, if you've heard The Swarm and you know this song, you know that this is, like, it's a nightmare. Mm -hmm. It literally sounds like hell on Earth. It's so much noise. It's just like, it's like Chris Callahan just fucking raging about God knows what. And um, the, lyrically, it's about how somewhere along the line, you turned around and everything got fucked up. Yeah. And I think that is applicable to this movie because now we're woken up. Now Naomi Watts is Betty. Mm -hmm. She's now Diane. Yeah. Um, now life is shit. She's not with Rita or Camilla. Mm -mm. Um, she's in the shitty apartment that this has this like dark blue drab surrounding. It's so depressing. She looks strung out as fuck. Yeah. Everything, any sort of like bright eyed, positive, kind of bushy tailed, the success is at my fingertips has is left gone. her has she, been sucked dry she looks so horrible mm -hmm. and it's one of those things that I, I think that it's it's a very genuine like she looks and i'm not i'm not body shaming her mm -hmm. i'm not sure she looks disgusting mm -hmm. in the same way that there's the scene where her and her and when when betty and rita are they're about to make love one of the things that always gets me, like, I'm like, oh, <laughs> talking to my collar, is uh, it's a, they're topless. Mm -hmm. You could see that Naomi Watts, she's, like, flushed. And it's a very, like, sincere, like, is she actually turned on right now? Yeah. That's, that's, that's fucking, I'm, I'm, I'm here for this. I'm turned on by, exactly, yeah, it's by a, her it's, being it's very authentic. turned on, yeah. The flip side of that is now in this movie when she looks like hell. Her hair looks unwashed. Mm -hmm. Her teeth look disgusting. She looks like she smells. She look yeah exactly. She looks like she fucking stinks, um, which we've all been there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. Yeah, no, I'm saying like there's all there's all, there's all times when we felt like well, yeah, shit no. because yeah. of whatever. Um, no, I I think when you look at Betty in the beginning, she has a complexion. She is rosy cheeked. She her hair is done. 
Um, she even has like her hair styled differently from the first half of the movie to the second half yeah. of it. Um, it's more shaggy and like cut in a in like choppier way. Um, she does. She looks like she smells. She looks like she hasn't showered in days. That all emotion has left her, and she has this like blue undertone. She's just washed out. Yeah. And now she's instead of being an aspiring actress, she is now a waitress at a diner. Which going from being an aspiring actress to a waitress at a diner is is bad enough. And she's bitter because she's recounting all of her kind yeah. of like small moments of like fame that was only because Camilla Camilla allowed her to be a part of it. And to make things worse, she's working at a diner that behind which there's a fucking monster living there. There's yeah. There's a fucking terrifying thing behind the goddamn dumpster. So we so because of us having to record multiple times, we didn't get to like touch upon this on the first half of it, but there is a dumpster monster that is the most terrifying part of a movie that could ever any movie of any all time ever again. It is what nightmares are made of. If you are, for whatever reason, watching this without having seen this movie, which is fine because there are people who do that. That's yeah. weird, but it's fine. <laughs> I implore you, pause this podcast and Google search for videos, not for images, <laughs> Mulholland Drive diner scene and watch it. You're going to shit your pants. And it kind of shows of like how un how uneasy the first half is of how much it doesn't make sense and something's not right and it's not reality. Yeah. Because there, the detective is sitting down with a gentleman and he they're, they're talking about something and this gentleman, as he keeps talking and talking, he's getting... He, he can't find the right words and he can't express to him what he's trying to get out and he starts sweating and shaking and yeah. something's he's has becoming, been coming over him. He he's describing a nightmare that he that he's had about this diner. And he's like telling this guy this and he's becoming like visibly more and more agitated to the point of where we the audience are I mean if you're if you have any ounce of empathy in your body, you start to sort of buy into it. Mm-hmm. And you start to get agitated. And then as things progress, again I don't want to give away um, what happens because I, I, I'm, it is legitimately, I, I, it might very, like I'm 100% serious as a lifelong horror fan. It might actually be the most startling and terrifying thing. The dumpster scene is shot in a way where you're kind of anticipating, you're trying, you're anticipating something bad happening, but you just don't know what is about. My mom like literally jumped and screamed at that part because you know something is going to happen mm-hmm. but like typically in horror movies when there's a jump scare you have a general idea what's going to happen yeah like but you have no idea what's going to come out from behind there and when it does and when it does come out from there's behind nothing there, like that yeah it's not like by calling it grotesque it is but it's not your typical movie grotesque it it's is like a nightmare. It is. It's it is honestly everything like a nightmare. bundled together. Yeah. Um, and so from that nightmare is the reality. And um, so on this playlist, on the time to wake up, we go into Anoni, 
I don't love you anymore. Did I say that right? Anani, Anoni, Anani, yeah. Anoni. The title says it all. Okay, yeah. I, like, that's literally, like, that's... Yeah, because Camilla, I mean, now it's getting to the part where uh, Diane knows that their relationship isn't isn't a relationship anymore. That uh, Camilla has moved on, and she's kind of, like, stringing along Diane in this way of, like, she's not ready to give her up completely from her life, but she's okay with, like, tormenting her. Which is really... There's a scene in this movie um, where... Naomi Watts is... Well... Finger blasting There's herself. that. We could talk about that right now. Yeah, there's a scene where she's, like, desperately trying to give herself an orgasm. And it is, like, typically a beautiful woman doing that is a very erotic thing. But... Not when she's crying in and this she scene, can't get when off. When she's crying and it's just the way she fucking looks... She it's, looks like a corpse trying to give herself an orgasm. There is something obscene and profane. And I don't mean like I'm like a Puritan and it's disgusting. I mean you are literally seeing someone at their most vulnerable and at their lowest mm. desperately trying to pull themselves together and failing. And it's so heartbreaking. There's nothing erotic about it. It's so sad. It's not, but... And I'm an awful fucking human being. I thought that you know, putting together the songs with certain scenes. Um, I, for a good laugh, you can press pause. Like press I swear mute. to God, if you if you put on what I think you did, I'm going to flip this if, table no, over. If you press mute and you just put on Living Without You. Okay. Because it's just, Living Without You by heart is one of those songs that is is sad and they're like pleading to not have not be without a person yeah and also diane is ugly crying like no ugly cry has ever happened before yes so when you put it on mute and you put living without you without knowing any context it is awfully comical in the most meanest kind of cruel way yeah i can't (laughs) i don't know i i i don't know if i'm comfortable doing that you know when it's like things fall apart and then there's that moment after the breakup when you're like, you know, well, okay, TMI warning, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there have been times in my life where I've, you know, I've been broken up with and then I'm like, I don't have a sex drive. And then I'm like, I'm going to try to have a sex drive. And then I way the fuck don't have a sex drive. Mm-hmm. And I wish that there have been moments in my life where I wish it was just me when that happened. Yeah. But there have been times where I've been with people. Oh, no. And I, you're like, fuck, this is a bad idea. And then it's like, you stop because why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. But we've all been there. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's the moment when it's like. You think you're ready to fuck someone else. And then you're like, nope, just kidding. My brain is exactly. not fucking ready but at all. But this is even sadder because there's not even the simple escape of masturbation. No. Even that is denied. The simple joy of that all is All you want to do us. is try to get off to know that you can feel something. And, and it's can't. denied. We go into the boy, the boys next door, Shivers, uh, the cars since you're gone, and now... <sighs> this hit, this hurts. This hurts. This hurts. This, one, this one's gonna get you. Uh, the Buzzcocks, ever fallen in love with, with someone, someone you, you shouldn't, shouldn't have. Rest in power, Pete Shelley. Agree. <sighs> Lived too fast. Loved too furiously. Taken too soon. <laughs> Justin was waiting for this moment the whole time. To be fair, the last time we recorded, because we 
I and my software fucked up so much. We didn't even get this. I think far. he died like the day before we recorded yeah, last time. It, yeah. Um, and then when we tried to record, we're like, we can't wait to talk about the Buzzcocks and like pay ode. So Justin has been waiting to do that. that Not to say that line. <laughs> <laughs> who? Who? I forget who. That's not a. That's not. A, that was someone. I think. I think someone. I, when Paul Walker died, someone actually said that. So oh, I can't. Really? <laughs> I can't take credit for that. Oh. I'm, it was like one of my friends. So I can't. Um, but this is a great song. Yeah. The Buzzcocks had just a great way of merging that melodic, fast-paced uh, punk. Yeah, and it's funny because it's not only like. It was either this song. I was I was torn between this song and something goes wrong again. Okay, yeah. But I feel like something goes wrong again is a little too dark because it's just about life in general mm-hmm. shitting on you. Whereas this song is about like this yeah, this is more romantic. It's, it's more focused on yeah. it, yeah. And it definitely narrows in on the niche that we're. Uh, I when I listen to this playlist, I can totally see this song playing when they're having dinner and she's realizing that Justin Theroux's character and Camilla that scene when, uh, are they're announcing their engagement and everything is just there everything is funny and everyone's enjoying themselves and, and the Camilla one looks person, over and whispers something to the other and yes. they both like but I gotta admit there's something that's like really hot about that. Of her just owning the like being in control of everything. Yes, there's something just, that like I, I watched that and just the like the obviously not the not not the look that Naomi mm-hmm. Naomi watched. Like it's sad. It's it's heartbreaking seeing her expression. But the look that the that because there's nothing like it's not cruel. It's more like see there's, there's you were never a 14 year old girl in middle school so you have no fucking idea how bad that mean girl scene i just want to be like go I, fuck yourself but, Camilla. but it, that doesn't come off i see that's the thing is i don't it doesn't come off as like mean to me oh it comes off so malicious and 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 intentional that she invited diane yeah. to this dinner that she knew that they were going to announce their engagement and she know like she might still care for diane but at a certain point, it's those relationships where, like, you're not ready to give, like, you don't want to date that person, and you don't even want to have sex with that person, but you're not willing to give up their emotional connection because you still need them as a crutch in some way. Yeah. And it's so selfish of you. And she is just stringing along Diane so hard, and Diane just has to fucking sit there and know that she's the butt end of the joke. Fair enough. I just, like, in that moment... I mean, the situation is shitty. Yeah. Until you're a 14-year-old girl at a slumber party and one of your friends decides to, like, just be that mean girl for the night and you're just like, no, go fuck yourself. Oh, that's, that's terrible. That's exactly yeah. how I feel. I'm like, no, that's awful. But I... um When she's having that, like, crying... I don't know what it is with picking songs, 80 songs... Uh, to Naomi Watts crying, but she's doing, she sees the cowboy for the third time, um, or for the second time. Yeah. Uh, she sees the cowboy, he goes past. What does the cowboy say to Justin Thoreau? He says, if, he you, sa- if, if you, you see me once, you've done good. If you see me twice, you've done bad. So she's seen him twice. Twice. And so she knows, so something she's bad is going done to happen. Bad. Yeah. And so, um, but when she's crying and she's just like shaking and uh, I picked Pat Benatar, I Need a Lover Who Won't Drive Me Crazy. I don't know why I picked these like songs that are, 
are comical but are very fitting lyrically yeah. to what is happening. I also didn't realize that John Mellencamp did this song. Like I knew that he sang this song at one point, but he wrote the song before he was even anybody. Mm. And Pat Benatar sang it and I can hear it, but again, Pat Benatar singing it, there's a little bit more rough cutting edge to it when uh it's happening. So again, pause it. See her shaking and crying at the table of I Need a Lover Who Won't Drive Me Crazy. Um, there's something so cool about that. I I told you there's something about picking the second half of the songs. Not only did I pick more of them, but I also found humor in some of the scenes. I don't know what it says about me, but I enjoyed picking out the songs for the second half. Um... So we have Magnetic Fields, I Don't Want to Get Over You. All of these are great songs for just breaking up with yes. people or just going through a breakup. The second half of this playlist could be strictly for breakup Oh, there's a, there's, there's, there's a lot of songs in here that have been like mainstays and like breakup lists for, oh, me yeah. for years. Um, going right into The Smiths, While I Wonder and Joy Division, She's Lost Control are two great breakup songs. Yes. Right off the bat, I... I have definitely listened to Joy Division. I also think oh. she, she's lost control is, you know, you could... What's uh, the second half of Mulholland Drive about? Oh, she lost control. Uh, yeah. Is Diane going insane? She's lost control of what she, what she first came to L.A. to do. Yes. And everything has gone wrong and has not gone the way that she anticipated. Yes. Um, Lana Del Rey, the other woman. You know what? I I don't always love Lana Del Rey. I feel like she isn't groundbreaking. And I only put her on this playlist and I only listen to her because I feel like her music should be in a David Lynch film. I don't know if that's because of her cover of Blue Velvet. I just have that. Okay, yeah. But it's like she has that kind of voice and that She has look that ambient. That's very like you belong in the shittier side of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like shitty as in like. That's not a judgment. Yeah. It's just saying, like, I only put her on this playlist and I only listen to her because I feel like her music should be in a David Lynch film. I don't know if that's because of her cover of Blue Velvet. I just have that. Okay, yeah. But it's like, she has that kind of voice and that look. She has that ambient. That's very, like, you belong in the shittier side of Los Mm -hmm. Angeles. And I don't mean, like, shitty as in, like... That's not a judgment. Yeah. It's it's perfectly fine. And it's perfectly... It's great for background music. Yeah. And I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, I, I just, I included that song on here because it's the other woman and it's, it's, she, she does feel like the other woman. Yes. Yes. Um, she feel when she's standing there, I, when I listen to this song or think of the other woman, I think of when they're, um, toasting to love, that is like an iconic, uh, song to like pair up with that scene. Yeah. Um, I love that the Temptations... Uh, what Becomes of the Brokenhearted. I love The Temptations more than anything. Going into it, we have Tear It Up Relationship, with, which is a very... Uh, it's like 30 seconds long. Yeah. The it's, lyrics, it's perfect. It's, it's again, it's, it's in there only following The Temptations, only to throw the listener off kilter. The only lyrics are, I love you, you love me, I love you, you love someone else, relationship. It's going great, it's going great, it's going great, it's going to shit relationship. Yeah, it's a great song to throw people off, but it's a great 
segue again talking about the scene of when they're at the diner or not the diner at the dinner and she just is shaking and she knows she's just fucking pissed and everything it's over like yeah it is over because that's how things go it's never happening again and it's one of those things that you have to realize like if i don't leave this person and stop like romanticizing and thinking something is going to come of it um if I'm not the one to remove myself, I'm never going... Like, it, it's just going to be a, a, a constant, vicious cycle. Yeah, it's going to kill you. Um, Going into the lovely Sinead O'Connor, nothing compares to you. Diane sitting on the couch in the rain, coming down in her shitty apartment, crying. Nothing compares to you is one of the greatest breakup songs of all time. It, 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 just, it, it just hits... Jordan Knight? It's not Jordan Knight. It's like a but contemporary he did singer. do he it. He did? I'm like Spotifying it right now. Yeah, he did a, a cover of it. Oh, God. Prince is spinning in his fucking grave right now. I know. I mean, this was early 90s, so Prince was at least alive to hear or and gave him rights to sing Jesus it. Christ. So, um... That's I, a tragedy. <laughs> I do love... I think that that's towards the end, Sinead O'Connor, there, nothing compares to you is one of uh, the better, one of the most perfect songs for I mean, even, closing out a playlist. It, it, it's just... It doesn't matter. This song, this is one of the songs that when you listen to it, you just automatically want to feel... Like, you could be in a happy relationship, sing Nothing Compares to You, and you're, you're, and you're just instantly in, like, a breakup mode mm-hmm. of a, like, empowerment breakup... I'm sad, but I know I'm going to get out of this. You're not. You're no, happy. You, can, you, can, eat, you yeah. can eat your dinner at a fancy restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> we go from that. It goes into the Bouncing Souls, Better Days. Bouncing Souls is one of those bands that um, a lot of people either love them or hate them. I love them. Yeah. I was getting ready to say, you better fucking answer, better say the right thing, or... No, we're not going to have another Into Another yeah. discussion. Um, I do love Bouncing Souls. Uh, they are one of my my top uh, punk bands. Yeah. Um, and they have a lot of songs that I that are on a breakup playlist for me. Um, Tom Waits, Everything Goes to Hell Anyway. That man's voice... Again, he's another person people either love him or hate him because he has such that unique, like, kind of growly... He sounds like a monster. He sounds does. like a sad monster. He does sound like a sad monster. And he kind of looks like a sad monster. He does. I... The honest uh, sound of life's shit and we're just going to describe the things around it of yeah. why it's shit. There's like a sailor over there, and I got like a fucking magician You're doing this. You're in a this. shitty bathroom. Yeah, there's a gambler. On a couch, and there's this, and there's these tiny little uh, human beings trying to get underneath your door. Who look like old people? That let me, have... let me tell you though. You, I know that you say the dumpster scene is the most scariest, like, scene in a movie. I am way more freaked out. By the old people crawling underneath the door and running towards her. I am... That's not... Not creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll... Me, what scares me more about that scene is Naomi Watts' reaction. hmm She doesn't look like she's acting in that scene. No. Like, she honestly looks scared for her fucking life. 
it's on top of being looking strung out. Yes. Crying. The lighting of that scene of like the flashing and like they go from tiny to being full size, like being life size to running after her to that like kind of like arms up in the air and, and just side to side, like trying to scare like little like grandma and grandpa are trying to scare you or yeah. like surprise you. But like it's it's such this like creepy anima like animation style. It's shot from slightly down too, so you're looking up and it's like wide. Yeah. And it's lit it that scene is done like a vaudeville play. Because mm -hmm. there's like powder flashes going off mm -hmm. and then not to spoil this movie, but when she takes her own life, it's not there's like a gun the gunshot isn't like bang, boom. Yeah. She puts the gun in her mouth and then there's like flash powder. Yes, behind the headboard it looks it like looks, yeah. it looks deliberately, I think, yeah. like a stage play. Yes. Which like makes thin. it thin. Like, exactly. Yeah. Which then happens, because that's yes. the title card. Uh it's unsettling. It is. Because again, it, it looks like a play. It doesn't look like real life, but it is real life. It is. Um, it and rolls into the fact that like everything that has been running through her mind, she ultimately put a hit out for Camilla to kill Camilla. Yes. Um, and she regrets it and she realizes what she's done and her mind and like the emotional collapse that she's having. She goes into a psychotic break. Yeah. After she hires Mark Pellegrino, a.k.a. Lucifer from Supernatural, which will <laughs> never not be great to me. I, a lot of people give me shit for liking Supernatural. So Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them. It's an Just amazing show. If I, if I ever meet Misha Collins, I'm going to weep like a child. Um, so, uh, so finishing out the playlist, we have Thundercat, Heartbreaks, and Setbacks. Title says it all. Oh, yeah. I mean, if putting a hit out on your ex-lover isn't a setback or a heartbreak... Um, I like that you put Ryan Adams on here, Shiver and Shake. He's great. This record is so sad. I mean, <laughs> you know, what's the sad record sound like? I don't know. It's sad. Yeah. Like, but there's the line in there. I miss you so much. I shiver and shake. Well, and this whole record is based on his divorce from Mandy, Mandy Moore. Moore. Yeah. So. What's the line? It's like, I see you on town with another guy. And it's like. That's such an honest thing to say. Like, everyone knows who he's talking about, yeah. and he still put this fucking record out. I don't know, just this song in particular, the whole idea of, like, missing someone so bad that you have this, like, physical reaction, I think is, is perfect for this movie. Oh, for sure. Uh, I just keep visioning, like, Naomi Watts and how ragged she looks and how just, like, we've all been there in some form or another. Not to the part where we're putting hits out on our lovers. We're not the dude from As I Lay Dying. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, but enough where we don't, like, we know that we have to get rid of that person in our life. Some, in not, some way or not. Not some, by physically not killing by them. Not by physically like... killing them, but cutting off, like, I, I hate to say this, but like, Blocking them on Instagram and removing them from social media, yes. um, deleting their phone number from the phone, blocking their phone number from your phone, um, knowing that you can't have contact with them because it's not healthy anymore. Yes. And it's not healthy for you because either you're the one that is using them as a crutch or vice versa. Um, and, and just being tormented by constantly having that communication open for them. Mm -hmm. um, and then... 
in a perfect David Lynch world. Where you, everything is mirrored and... And full circle. Full circle. Um, we end it with the naked and famous, the mess, and Roy Orbison, it's over. Which, uh, Roy Orbison, I don't... This episode could have just been completely on Roy great. Orbison, yeah. and it would have been amazing. Because now, lyrically, it's a song about... Where, you know, things, you know, there's nothing here but a mess. Yeah. Um, which is what is how this movie ends. And then that goes into Roy Arbison's It's Over, which the ending of this movie, if you've seen it, it's over in every possible way because the relationship is over and unfortunately so is Diane slash Betty's life. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's symb- uh, because of Roy Orbison's kind of melodic endearing way to comfort you with your with your emotions like yeah he knows how to he knows that you're you're sad he knows that it's a sad thing but it's like endearing like he's there to comfort you i would not appreciate if i was sad and or was in the corner shrieking it's over like, get the fuck out of here. Go. Like, yeah. you're right. It is over. Go. Yeah, leave, um, please. I know. It's done. Great. Um, But I think that the, the way... He, but it's the way he sings it's over. It's the way he sings in general is that it's one of those things that he he's just waiting to be the soundtrack of your life. In oh, one, absolutely. It, it, for one moment or another. Um, And yeah, the, I mean, the scene where where it's done and the uh the opera singer you see her at the end sitting in the chair Silencio. yeah yeah but she has blue hair now of course i just like that david lynch's projects and movies are always left for your own interpretation because one i don't always like when people tell me what i'm supposed to think especially when it comes to artistic things like it's a lot of with music um how a mu- musician writes their songs yeah is is personal for them but when i listen to their songs it's personal for me yeah um, same thing with watching certain movies that are meant for artistic like that like wes anderson movies and david lynch movies like those type of yeah. those type of writers and directors they they own a craft to leave room for interpretation on how you how you feel and like yeah. how you see the world. There was with Mulholland Drive. Um, I've seen this movie probably dozens of times at this point, and I'm still like, yeah, I still don't really know what he meant by it. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. Yeah. Because like I know for a fact that David Lynch would say like it means what you want it to mean. Yeah. And that's not being like pretentious. Like, oh, I'm gonna. No, that I'm quote put- that I said earlier is that he it was direct it was from David Lynch. Like, yeah. I want each viewer to interpret how they see fit on uh, when they watch the movie. Yeah. Because like, I, and that's that's something that's admirable about a uh, a writer and a director is that they're leaving open kind of a blank canvas of how you want to see it, and if you see something like. Oh, that kind of leads me in. Like we've, we've, we actually finished. We finished my. Pl- there are songs that we you finished did. on playlist. Yeah, there are. I mean, I added in between stuff. Um, Melvin's growing disgust. Um, off. Uh, freak puke. The love for you know. There's. 
I have a love for drop D tuning. Okay. Um, and I like Melvin's, I mean, I just love their weird creepiness. And I thought that it fit pretty well when like the weird grandparent, like old couple comes crawling through. And you, am I remembering? Cause I didn't, I'll be honest. I didn't watch this movie for this episode. Cause I've, am I misremembering? They come out of that blue box at the, the dumpster person pulls out of a bag, right? Yes. Yes, so, they do. I had to ask that question. Like, I'm like, yeah. I was, yeah, okay. Also, at the end of the movie, like, you see the the dumpster person with the box. Yes, yes. Like, yeah. behind the dumpster. As if, like, they are the nightmare and the dream. Fuck. Together. God. I mean, they are, because Bonnie is beautiful, but. Um, I love your love for her. She's amazing. Um... But, and I, I mean, I'll add these on the playlist. There's a couple, there's a newer band, or there's a band called Proto Martyr. Um, they're from, I don't know what it is with uh, Detroit. Uh, that's, th- that's Dan Higgs, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, they did Pontiac 87. Um, it's off the Age of Intellect. It's got like one of those kind of like really um, kind of fast-paced guitar intros that I just enjoy and it, it it has like a driving through the the coast like I I mm. picture going up the Pacific Coast Highway you mean route one the piece yeah. the PCTs they call the, it the PCTs um, I'm sorry the PCH well calling it the PCH uh, I also put Sonic Youth Pacific Coast High uh, Highway on here um, again with my ode to California. Sonic Youth, uh, I know that you're not a fan of Sonic Youth. They're not but, bad. Just... Um, I have an undying love for Kim Glum. Yeah, I put them on there. I put a couple more Pat Benatar songs just because she is the epitome of like strong woman being extremely vulnerable and singing about it. Yes. Um, and I put a couple more heart songs on it again, just because when I made this playlist, I went through this, like, I was listening to heart all week. Is what about love on there? Yes. Yes. Um, So fucking hard. Uh, so those are getting added to the playlist. Uh, we have successfully recorded almost two hours. I can dig it. Worth of audio. Uh, that doesn't sound like shit. Yes. Um, and hasn't gone missing and is actually downloaded um and i appreciate so much poor justin had to drive i had to drive an hour oh no um to come record oh an hour and a half um yeah but last weekend we recorded up until twelve thirty, trying to get it fucking right and then at a certain point i just had like a complete breakdown <laughs> that was a complete breakdown yeah pretty much i mean i i held it together enough that i didn't cry um, but so you, the plugs, you, your horror business podcast and Cinepunks. Yes. You can check out, um, episodes of horror business and Cinepunks and a bunch of other great podcasts at <laughs> www.cinepunks.com. We are available on Spotify, Stitcher and iTunes. Um, we are on Twitter at the horror 666, same handle on instagram and we're on facebook but i don't really do much on facebook do you just have that thing that where everything if you just hit the button like you shared a facebook yeah it's just it's i mean i i don't, I don't even do that goes yeah. on instagram or twitter goes on facebook. yeah it's nothing ever <laughs> i i'm far more active on on, on twitter and, and 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 instagram than i am on facebook for, for horror business 
Um, but no, if you like um, quasi leftist anal analysis of horror movies done by two failed academics, <laughs> you'll like this. Um, Cinepost has great podcasts. Um, yeah. My favorite is Wine and Cheese. Wine and Cheese are great. I listened to their Saves the Day episode the other day, and really? I was like, fuck, I'm so much older than these guys. Because <laughs> they were like, oh, yeah, I remember seeing them. What they were saying how, like, when Stay What You Are came out, they were like, oh, yeah, he's writing this about, like, an 11-year-old kid. And I was like, I was in college when the record came out. I just listened to the Alkaline Trio Little Nicky episode, and I instantly – I have an Alkaline Trio tattoo. They're one of my favorite bands. I there was what what, rec what Alkaline Trio record did they do? Uh, uh maybe I'll catch fire. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Good. And so they. So I don't like anything after. Um, I'm not gonna get into this. Okay, with that's you. fine. <laughs> no, no, no. I like. I I don't. I anything I like from here to infirmary and back, and then I like. Crimson. Yeah. Yeah. That that record's amazing. I don't like anything else I did though. Oh well. And I and again I, 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 agree to disagree. I really like Heavens. I like Heavens too. Okay, so if we're going to get into this before we close out this episode, I'm going to state it here for the record. Okay, okay. I love Dan over Matt's voice. That's fine. All day long. That's fine. Dan, um, Matt is their like signature sound that he is a novelty sound for them. Dan is... The heart and soul. Yes. Enjoy Your Day is the saddest song of all time. Uh, and I just... I think Dan's songs are way more intricate and more uh, has more substance most than Matt's songs. But with that said, being a huge Alkaline Trio fan, I fucking love them both because they are both an Alkaline Trio. I'm just always going to pick Dan's songs. There's nothing wrong with over that. Over Matt's songs. There's nothing wrong with that. Justin, thank you thank for you. recording. We're going to make chocolate chip cookies because I burnt yes. the first batch. <laughs> I also want to give a quick shout out. Of course. Not only to Cinepunks forever, but you guys, if you like horror movies, which you should, check out The Final Girls and The Horror Show and Test Patterns. Those are three friends of our podcast that I think everyone should listen to. Agreed. Let's go make chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, let's go make chocolate chip cookies.